Hello, and welcome to Easy Easy Bake Takes, the podcast, where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And y'all voted for winter horror, so we're doing winter horror. And I picked a vampire movie called Let the Right One In from a little place called Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) This movie was released in 2008 in Sweden, and then in 2009 it was released in the U.S. on DVD and Blu-ray. It's categorized as a horror romance, and its runtime is an hour and 54 minutes long. So, the plot. Oscar, a meek 12-year-old boy, lives with his mother, Yvonne, in the western Stockholm suburb of Blackaberg in 1982. He is regularly bullied by his classmates and spends his evenings imagining revenge, collecting clippings from newspapers and magazines about murders. One night, Normal. <laughs> he meets Ellie, who appears to be a pale girl of his age. Ellie recently moved into the next-door apartment with an older man, Hawken. Didn't look up the pronunciation on that one, so I apologize. That's fine. Ellie initially tells Oscar they can't be friends. Over time, however, they begin to form a relationship and exchange Morse code messages through their adjoining walls. Ellie learns that Oscar is being bullied by classmates and encourages him to stand up for himself. Oscar signs up for weight training classes after school. Earlier, Hawkins stops, kills a passerby on a footpath to harvest blood for Ellie but is interrupted by an approaching dog walker. Ellie is prompted to waylay and kill a local man, Yuke, making his way home after having said goodnight to his best friend, Lake. Yosta, a recluse, witnesses the attack from his flat, but in disbelief decides not to report the incident. Haken hides Yuke's body in an ice hole in the local lake. Haken makes another effort to obtain blood for Ellie by trapping a teenage boy in a changing room after school. When he is about to be discovered by the boy's friends, Hawken pours hydrochloric acid onto his own face, disfiguring it to prevent authorities from identifying him. Ellie visits Hawken in the hospital. Hawken offers his own blood to Ellie, and Ellie drains him. Ellie goes to Oscar's apartment and spends the night with him, during which time they agree to go steady, though Ellie states, I'm not a girl. During an ice skating field trip to the lake, some of Oscar's classmates discover Yuke's body. At the same time, the bullies again harass Oscar, who hits their leader Connie in the head with a metal pole, splitting his ear. Sometime later, unaware that Ellie is a vampire, Oscar suggests that they form a blood bond and cuts his hand, asking Ellie to do the same. Ellie, not wanting to hurt Oscar, laps up his blood before running away. Lake's girlfriend, Virginia, is subsequently attacked by Ellie. Virginia survives, but discovers that she has become painfully sensitive to sunlight. Virginia visits Yosta, only to be attacked by his cats. Soon after this, Oscar confronts Ellie, who admits to being a vampire. Oscar is initially upset by Ellie's need to kill people for survival. However, Ellie insists that they are alike, in that Oscar wants to kill and Ellie needs to kill, and encourages Oscar to be me for a little while. In the hospital, Virginia asks an orderly to open the blinds in her room. The sunlight streams in and Virginia bursts into flames. Lake tracks Ellie down to the apartment. Breaking in, he discovers Ellie asleep in the bathtub. He prepares to kill Ellie, but Oscar interferes. Ellie wakes up, jumps on Lake, and feeds on his blood, killing him. Ellie thanks Oscar and kisses him. However, an upstairs neighbor is angrily knocking on the ceiling due to the disturbance. Ellie realizes it's not safe to stay and leaves that night. The next morning, Oscar is lured out to resume the after-school fitness program at the local swimming pool. The bullies, led by Connie and his older brother, Jimmy, start a fire to draw Mr. Avila, the supervising teacher, outside. They enter the pool area and order everybody but Oscar to leave. Jimmy forces Oscar underwater, threatening to stab his eye out if he doesn't hold his breath for three minutes. While Oscar is underwater, Ellie rescues him by killing and dismembering the bullies, except for the most reluctant, Andreas, who is left sobbing on a bench. Later, Oscar is traveling on a train with Ellie in a box beside him. From inside, Ellie taps the word kiss to Oscar in Morse code, to which he taps back, small kiss. The end. It's a messed up movie. (laughs) So this movie was directed by Thomas Alfredson and John... I. Dvidey Lindquist wrote the novel of the same name and the screenplay, and the cinematography was done by Hoyta Van Hoytema, who did the cinematography for Nope, Tenet, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and Her, Whoa. among others. Wow, okay. Very good cinematographer. Very good. And so the cast, Keove Heidebrand plays Oscar, Lena Lee Anderson plays Ellie, but is voiced by Elif Salin, and an aged Ellie is played by Susan Rubin. Per 
Ragnar plays Haken, Peter Carlber, Karen Burquist, Heinrich Dahl, and Ike Nord are the other cast members. Mm. So some trivia. The budget was $4.5 million, and at the box office, they made $11.2 million. Development of this novel began in 2004 when producer John Nordling acquired the rights to produce the project. Alfredson initially expressed skepticism about Linkfist writing the screenplay, but found the end result very satisfying. Linkfist was satisfied with the adaptation as well. When Alfredson showed him eight minutes of footage for the first time, he cried at how beautiful it was and described the film as a masterpiece. Hmm. Director Alfredson, unconcerned with the horror and vampire conventions, decided to tone down many elements of the novel and focus primarily on the relationship between the main characters and explore the darker side of humanity. Many minor characters from the book were removed from the screenplay. The character of Hawken was toned down, particularly the fact of him being a pedophile and his relationship with Ellie was mostly left to a interpretation. Alfredson felt that the film could not deal with a serious manner like pedophilia in a satisfying way and that it would detract from the story of the children and their relationship. However, the film still provided a few hints at Hawken being a pedophile. In the novel, this is another thing that was sort of changed, mm-hmm. Ellie is presented as an androgynous boy that was castrated centuries before by a sadistic vampire nobleman. The film handles Ellie's gender more ambiguously. So did you pick up on Hawken maybe being a pedophile? I had my theory about Hawken and I ended up like researching the movie a little bit more because I had just a list of questions and IMDB actually had a list of questions that people had and answered them. Mm -hmm. So I found a lot of information through that. But I had my own theories about Hawken in the movie. So when I watched this movie, I assumed, and this is given that Ellie is a vampire and is probably, I think in the novel is 220 years old, but the movie, it's it's very, it's very like there isn't a significant date. So you just assume that she's very old. Mm-hmm. And so I, you can assume like maybe she's at least 100 years old or something like that. Or she's very old. Yeah. I assumed Hawken at one point was in Oscar's place. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I assumed Ellie, for however long she has lived, has always needed help from someone. And the way that she... I mean, basically grooms Oscar. Mm-hmm. I assume she's done that probably several times before with different different boys. Yeah. As she doesn't age, they do. And forever long that they stay around or live, you know, mm-hmm. with her. Like it's, I assumed Hawkin was in the same situation. Yeah. Honestly, that's a pretty sound theory to make. That's what I thought. Yeah. And he's just like attached to her. Because mm-hmm. I assume like, well, there's got to be a reason why he's willing to do all this stuff for her and, and kill people for her and move around and just off their relationship too. There's that very creepy. And this is where it could play into he's a pedophile. They're in the kitchen and he's talking about the acid. Mm-hmm. She places a hand on him and it's like very weird. Yeah. But I always thought, it, you know, and that can be interpreted as pedophile, of course, but I always interpreted it as like, oh, it's like when he was, because like I assumed they had- The romance is still there with her kind of thing. Yeah. Like from when they first met, that's what I assumed. But that was my, that was my theory of who Hawkin was and why he was doing all this stuff. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really good theory. I mean, there's other interpretations, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think without explaining that- in the movie or like leaving that part out of it i appreciate that they recognized like we can't handle this topic correctly so we're not going to put it in there i I like the interpretation more Mm -hmm. Uh, leaving it open yeah i like that more honestly Mm -hmm. yeah but the next trivia fact i have is that late in production it was decided that lena lee anderson's voice would be replaced by a darker voice elif salen was chosen for her less feminine more androgynous tone sound designer Per sundstrom stated that her voice also made the character more threatening she has a deep voice yeah mm-hmm. and then this next one i just thought this sounded like something both of us might say mm-hmm. just this first part of it the second part not so much mm-hmm. A friend introduced Thomas Alfredson to the novel. While he normally does not like to receive books because it's a private thing to choose what to read. Okay. <laughs> Don't tell me what to read. I'll read what I want. <laughs> he decided after a few weeks to read it. And then the depiction of bullying in the novel affected Alfredson deeply. So he connected to the bullying aspect of it. Yeah. It's like when we suggest like, oh, you need to watch this TV show. And you're like, yeah, definitely. And you won't watch it for another two years or something like that. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to. It's just like, but like, I'm going to come around to it when I'm ready. I decide when I watch it. I decide when to watch it. You can suggest (laughs) it all day long Mm -hmm. and I will 
write it down. I'll probably watch it eventually in the future. Yeah. But give me a minute. <laughs> yeah. It, the timing needs to be right. Mm -hmm. The next fact, they filmed in rooms with no ceilings, which made various overhead lighting techniques possible. Most of the filming used a single fixed RE 535B camera with little to no handheld usage and very few cuts. Tracking shots were made with a track mounted dolly rather than a steady cam to create calm, predictable camera movement. Mm. And then Hoitema and Alfredson invented a lighting technique they called spray light, which Hoitema described as if you capture dull electrical light in a can and spray it like hairspray across Ellie's apartment, it would have the same result as we created. So like a spray of light. Mm. Basically, I don't think they invented that. I think that's just using diffused light. Yeah. But go off, I guess. Okay, I guess. <laughs> the jungle gym in the film was made specifically for the film. It was designed with the intention to fit the cinemascope format better than a regular jungle gym, which would have been too tall and they would have had to crop it off. Mm -hmm. The CGI was intended to be very subtle and almost unnoticeable. The cat attack scene specifically was the most complicated to film. It required several weeks of drafting and planning. The crew used a combination of real cats, stuffed cats, and CGI. What did you think of that? I, the CGI is... It is minimal. It's minimal. They don't use it a whole lot. They don't, but you can tell when they do. Mm -hmm. It is 2009. It is 2009. So to give them credit, it was probably really good for that time. You know what also came out around this time? What? Twilight. Ah, yes. So let's compare it to that CGI. Let's compare it. It's pretty good. <laughs> We're comparing it to. That's hilarious. I love that. These two films. Oh my God. Two vampire movies in the same year. Crazy. Mm -hmm. It was the five year span of vampires. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. That's what I just kept thinking about the whole time I was watching. I was like, this was the this was the Twilight era. This was the fucking <laughs> Twilight era. That's hilarious. <laughs> Several tricks were used to create the right sound effects for some of the gorier scenes. They used biting sausages to replace the biting of flesh and skin sounds. Ew. They would use drinking yogurt as the sound of drinking blood. And Ew. the sound of children blinking was made with the sound of grapes rubbing together in an almost blinking motion. <laughs> so, some Foley artists had to sit there with grapes grapes ew wait to make blinking noises yeah i don't think i noticed the blinking noise i i don't even know i don't even understand i do not understand any of that look at grape skin oh ew oh my god <laughs> the word vampire is only said one time in this film yeah he, when he asked her mm -hmm. both the writer and director admitted that they do not like or care for vampires i don't either yeah they're very parasitic you know Mm -hmm. They are. I have a hard time. I don't like the character. I don't like Ellie. I like the character of Ellie. Like, yeah, but I don't. I don't like her. You know? No, I. I yeah. I guess we can get into that, but later. But yeah, we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think I get what you mean. Yeah. And I was reading something actually in one of my horror textbooks that I didn't read when I watched this movie mm -hmm. in my horror, my horror film class. But it was talking about how the metaphor of a vampire has changed and how a lot of like theories about what vampires represent is from like a Western lens. Mm. And in a lot of like non-Western countries, their idea of vampires is a lot more about the US and the UK. Mm. But it seems like this movie, they kind of hint at it a little, that it's a little Soviet. Mm, yes, they do. I remember seeing that. Mm -hmm. They do. They do talk about it in the bar. It's Yeah, they do talk about it a little bit. So I, I can understand. But yeah, so it's it was just interesting to see that like in Western cultures, vampires are more for like masculinity fighting against men being feminine. That's interesting. Because vampires are categorized, especially really old vampires, as being a little more effeminate. And the person who's fighting them is usually a little more masculine. That I do understand that reading. Wait, wait, wait. The vampires are effeminate? Mm -hmm. That makes sense because when I was in my gender horror class, one of the first things we watched was Dracula, like the original, I think, I think the universal one. Mm -hmm. And there's that scene where his first victim is... Oh, his assistant, Dracula's wives are all trying to corner Radcliffe to eat him. And Dracula, he comes in and he shoves them away, or doesn't really shove, but like he put, you know, gets them away from Radcliffe and he bites his neck. One of those things where my teacher, Ben Shaw, he paused and went bisexual at the very least. <laughs> so yeah, I can understand that. Because mm -hmm. they, yeah, they're, they're, vampires are inherently a little more eroticized. Yes. Mm -hmm. And queer coded, kind of. Yeah. Every Cullen. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but yes, vampires are, well, I mean, that's a cultural thing that vampires are very erotic, erotic sized. 
Mm-hmm. In this one, a lot of people see this movie, and we'll see this when we get into the audience reviews, exploring gender is like how a lot of people relate to this movie with Ellie mm. being non-binary or being gender fluid. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how this movie was received by the queer community a little more. Okay, I understand. Yeah. And I don't fully know if the movie did that as intentionally as it, people have taken it. If it's not, then I don't know why it's in the movie at all. If it's not meant to be that, you know? Yeah, it's it seemed more stressed in the book. Yes. Well, there's more backstory in the book about it, too. Like, there's more mm-hmm. of a clarification of why. In this movie, it's, yeah. very, it's very ambiguous. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't know anything about the book, you wouldn't you wouldn't know why. It's actually a huge, it's a huge question mark in the book. Yeah, it's troubling when you leave that out. And if you're looking at it from a gender aspect. Because mm-hmm. it's like, what are you saying? You know? Yeah. But the last two trivia facts I have, the entire crew is visible in the reflection of the glass at the opposite end of the swimming pool hall when the three bullies enter the scene. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and then a Showtime series spinoff was made and it's like coming out like now. Oh. I think episodes have already come out. Does not seem well received at all. Mm. And there was also an American remake called Let Me In, which in my opinion is not as good, but that's usually the case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's the last trivia fact I have. What did you think about this movie? This movie is very, like, from from a horror aspect, I think it's actually really good because there's, like, it's a well-written movie. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, too. It is beautiful. It's creepy, though, in so many ways. Like, it's creepy because, like, you know, vampire stuff, but also just, like, the stuff going on between Ellie and Hawken and Ellie and Oscar. I mean, I think Ellie is predatory as well. Oh, yeah. Ellie if you're taking the information for the book, is over 200 years old. And even if it's the movie, just guessing, definitely older than 12, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, she's, I mean, Ellie says, I've been, I've been 12 for a long time. Like it. But that's from Twilight. She says 12 more or less. No, but she says, she says that in the movie too. Oh, she says that too. Okay, yeah. I was like, they say that in Twilight too. (laughs) How long have you been 17? A long time. (laughs) (laughs) But I did write down, it's, it's very Edward and Bella. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's it's predatory. It's and Ellie is definitely grooming Oscar. Well, Ellie Ellie's using Oscar like she's using Hawken, and that's why I, I saw. That's why I kind of interpreted Hawken like Hawken and yeah. Oscar in the same. You know, um, and she needs to replace Hawken because Hawken is like messing up. Hawkins not doing the job. Ellie, yeah. you know, I guess not hired him to do, but like picked him out to do, and mm-hmm. she treats him awful. And then, I mean. You can interpret that in different ways, but like, you know, she's yeah. not nice to him talking. Yeah, no. You can tell she doesn't care about him. No, you're right. She doesn't, it doesn't seem like she cares about him. Mm-mm. It seems like it's definitely coming from more of a selfish place. Yeah, she uses him. Yeah. She needs him to get food. That's about it. Because I, I could also see her character, like, because I guess she does take his blood, but he offers it. He offers him. She never took it, but that doesn't mean she cares. It just means if she took his blood, no one would be able to get blood for her. Yeah, exactly. She's going to yeah. use him until she can't anymore and it's a she's gonna bleed him dry yeah is that yes exactly yeah so i was saying earlier is like i don't like ellie's care or i don't like ellie because ellie is a parasite Mm -hmm. ellie is you know grooming oscar is manipulating oscar and she's gonna do the same thing she did with hawken but with oscar you know yeah it's just a repetitive cycle you know yeah she could only let go of hawken when she has no use for him anymore yeah, but will will she turn Oscar into a vampire, or will it take convincing? Yeah, I read some people saying that. I don't. I, in my opinion, when watching the movie, that's more mouths to feed. That's more mouths to feed. Also, it's gonna be harder for them to move around. That's two twelve-year-olds. Two twelve-year-olds like that. That's in, no like that's when watching the movie. I do not think that's gonna happen. I think Ellie's gonna do the same thing she did with Hawkin and use him until she can't anymore mm-hmm. and just move on to the next person. Yeah, I think Ellie's character is is not you know you call it, this movie is genre of romance. I don't I don't think it is. I think it's all manipulative. I think it's all all. So Ellie can just use the next person. It's yeah. Ellie's survival. Mm-hmm. It's romance in Oscar's eyes, but mm-hmm. not in Ellie's. Exactly. That's what I was thinking about with Ellie and how I think about the whole movie too. Because mm-hmm. I don't like vampires as well. I yeah. Think they're parasites, literally. Yeah. 
I don't like them. They don't have good intentions. There's never good intentions. Let's talk about Edward. I mean, Edward's bad, not, not even in the context of a vampire. He's just bad. <laughs> so many red flags about that. He's a terrible boyfriend. Terrible boyfriend. Yeah. But yeah, in the context of a vampire as well, it's just, I, they're, they're not good. <laughs> like you said, they're parasites. They are. Whether or not they're drinking your blood, they will be draining you of something. Mm-hmm. Yes. You got some zingers today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm on my game today. <laughs> Did you have anything else that you wanted to say? Uh, not right now. That was like my big thing that I wanted to say. Oh, mm. you know what I do actually? <laughs> Oscar needs to get a tissue. Because that boy yes, was, was snotting all throughout that movie. That was nasty. I was thinking that I was like, ugh, that's like a crusty little 12-year-old. No offense to the actor. They just should have wiped his nose yes. or something. Hey, wipe your nose. And I get it. It's cold outside. It happens. But it's just like, ew. <laughs> At least make make him like do the gross kid thing of like using your sleeve at least, you know? He literally took his dad's jacket and did that to his dad's jacket immediately after putting it on. I was not like, my oh, jacket. Not my jacket. <laughs> not that red jacket. What was it? And his character, he he's a 12-year-old boy, but I guess that doesn't excuse the fact that he's a little psycho. <laughs> literally, I wrote, I wrote Oscar's a little crazy pants. He is a little crazy pants. And I get it. He's being bullied, but like... School shooter, for sure. Yeah, he's got school shooter vibes. Hardcore. It, he He's very... Obviously, it doesn't seem like he's getting much attention at home. No, uh, his... I, I think I read his dad's an alcoholic, which yeah, that whole scene was very weird. And I did not know what was going on until the drink comes out. Not even really, because I was like, who's this guy? Why is he? Why is he just randomly walking into the yeah. house? Why is he acting really, really weird? He's at, like, it's like, I thought they were like gay lovers. I thought I thought it was that. That's what I thought. I, no, I really did. I thought that was that. I was like, oh, OK, his dad is gay. And that's OK. OK. But it really, it wasn't that at all. It's like he's an alcoholic or something. But it's like how the guy was acting. I thought, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know. That was such an off scene. It was. But once the drink gets put down for me, I was like, oh, okay. The, The way that he's looking at Oscar, he knows he's not supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Which makes sense, but that guy that comes in is so weird and off-putting. Yeah. It just threw the whole thing off for me. So that was a weird scene. I don't feel bad for Oscar. Like, his life is sad, though. His life is sad. I understand why he's doing that. Doesn't mean it's okay. No. I don't pity that kid yeah exactly it's like any kid that goes to school and does bad things it's it's like um something's happening at home usually something's happening at home so being bullied i understand but it's like that's not an excuse it's not an excuse whatsoever and what they do to him isn't okay either no of course not Oscar is a weird character because like he does have those like school shooter vibes but it's like also when he sees ellie kill Locke. he you know he's disturbed by it because i think i think as when you're a kid when you actually see something horrific like that it's gonna you know you think one way and then you actually see it and it's just like it's yeah. very different it's very shocking it's very disturbing yeah. and so he he sees it for the first time it's like it's not i don't think something he ever actually wanted yeah if that makes sense you know no it, it reminds me of did you ever watch end of the fucking world yes the kid who thinks he's like a sociopath but he like sees the girl doing crazy shit mm-hmm. and he's like i might not be a sociopath <laughs> gives me that kind of vibe where it's mm-hmm. like he thinks that he would be able to do something that heinous well, he's a child too he's hyped his own anger up and like he he believes that that's the way to mm-hmm. like make himself feel better mm-hmm but seeing somebody actually do it in front of you. It's very different. Oh, that's that was hard to watch. Imagine doing it. Exactly. And also he rejects his, uh, he rejects his Ellie's money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, I don't want to take that money because that's the money you took from people you've killed. So like there is a... He has morals. He has morals. And it, it comes through later in the movie. You see with his character that he at least wouldn't be capable of it. Which confuses me as to why Ellie would choose him. Because all he did was warn Ellie that Lockett was in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all he did. He took out his knife, but he didn't He didn't stab him or anything. He didn't do anything mm-hmm. to him. It is interesting why Ellie did choose Oscar. But I think it's one of those things where Ellie could force and manipulate Oscar to end up doing it because of yeah. the relationship that she's established with them. And she could exactly. manipulate him into doing whatever she wanted. That's what I think. That's how I interpret it. Yeah. No, and I think... I think that's valid. I think that's mm-hmm. a valid interpretation of this. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? I don't think so. I think that's, I think I said everything. Okay. I didn't have much more than that. I did, yeah, I wrote that he's Oscar's little crazy pants mm-hmm. with his, with his murder clippings. He's got a whole binder of 
murder newspaper clippings. See, as a mother, how do you not go, you need to talk to someone? (laughs) His mom's not paying attention to him. Exactly, yeah. She tries to hide the newspaper from him, and she's probably been doing that for a while and doesn't realize that he's been taking the newspaper and clipping stuff out of it. Newspapers are wildly, wildly accessible. Mm -hmm. I do like the color palette of this movie. Like, everything's muted except for the reds are really bright. Like, I like that aspect of it. Yeah. Pretty obvious. Like, yeah, it's blood and vampires and passion, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it looks really cool. It does. Especially with this background, like this snowy, you know, winter background. You have that deep red. The cools with that. Yeah. I thought it was funny that Hawken forgot to put away his blood-covered rain poncho on the train. I know. He just has it sitting out. But it reminds me of the the poncho from American Psycho. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. I wrote that something about seeing someone drink a glass of straight-up milk is so (laughs) gross to me. I never want... A glass of milk. I, ne- I never crave that. That's never something I want. I also wanted to ask: Have you ever solved a Rubik's cube before? No, and I don't. I don't care to. Yeah, I just realized like I've never. We've never talked about Rubik's cubes before. I've looked it up. Like it's supposed to be like super simple as long as you do like. Was Ellie right? It's the corners. Corners, and also there's something else. There's like a trick to it. Yeah, that's why babies can do it. You ever seen a baby like solve a Rubik's cube? It's because like all you have to do is teach them that one little trick, mm-hmm. and you can figure out the whole thing. Oh. Like, have you ever seen a three-year-old do it? No. Three-year-olds do it all the time. I was just like, oh, this is the smartest baby ever. It's really not. As long as you teach them that one little trick. I mean, granted, it's pretty impressive that you could teach a baby that, but... They could swim underwater when they're still infants. Yeah. But anyway, I, as a (laughs) child, was... I came into possession of a Rubik's Cube, and I'm a really bad sport, so... I tried to take all the stickers off and like rearrange them oh my gosh. in the right order. Oh my god. I feel like that's more work. It was, but didn't have to solve the Rubik's Cube. Who did you trick? Who did you I, who did you trick by doing that? I don't know, so I could just walk out with it and be like, ta-da. Is, is this crumbling? The stickers are falling off. They're it's all, all peeled up. up. Yeah, they're, they're all peeled. <laughs> You're like, Jesus. <laughs> I think I briefly touched on this, but the way that these kids bullied him, they held him and whipped him. Oh, they're little psychopaths too. Yeah. Well, and you can also see from the big the big brother Jimmy too, like where that Connie gets it. Yeah. I also I wrote cats hate vampires question mark. Yeah. Is that is that always been a lore? I think it's more of like animals know stuff. Yeah. I or, guess that's always a thing in horror movies. That is always a horror like animals somehow always know yet they'll stare at the corner when there's nothing in it <laughs> you're like stop that <laughs> you're scaring me Please stop. i wrote yosta just letting his cats attack virginia it's almost like he knew too like he walked outside the balcony and like shut the door took one cat and he just took like... one like, the little kitten was like i'm not coming in there nope. <laughs> he wouldn't let lucky out yeah it's like let me open the door no <laughs> <laughs> oh my god poor virginia i know i feel bad for her character yeah but that's the last thing I had. Like I said, not not a whole lot to say. We've already kind of discussed the groomingness of it all. But did you have anything else you wanted to say? Not right now. Okay. So we'll get into the critic reviews. So it has a 98% from critics and wow. a 90% from audience on Rotten Tomatoes. 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb mm. and an 82 Metacritic score. This is one of two negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So this one is from Newsblaze by Prairie Miller from March of 2009, who gave this movie two stars. And she says, quote, A cross between a vampire after-school special and an undead soap. Let the Right One In is a biting blend of minimalist arty antics and awkward adolescent oral fixations with fangs, but one that soon wears thin, end quote. I love it when critics do, like, little, like, metaphors. Or not only little metaphors, but, like, little, what is it called? Sibylies? yeah. Something like that. She's using flowery language. Yes. That's what I call it. Yeah. And it's just, it's always funny because like it means nothing most of the time. Yeah. Like we know like they didn't like it, but it's just like, what does where's thin mean? What does that even mean? What are you saying? It, it's not very long lasting. It like, they it, it gets old fast. Just say that. Yeah. <laughs> just say that. Use words. Use words. <laughs> but they also say, quote, and though Oscar is a bright boy too, his cluelessness about Ellie until way into the movie when she laps a bite of his blood off the floor is exasperating and the only real suspense in sight, end quote. Okay, so that is actually a pretty scary scene because like she's licking it up. First off, you notice that they don't show it very well, but it's her tongue is like super long. It's really gross in that way. And then yeah. she looks up at him and all of a sudden she's aged. 
mm-hmm. and it's really disturbing. It cuts back to her real quick to like the little girl and it's very haunting actually it's actually mm-hmm. one of the creepier scenes of the movie for me oh yeah and i think that's what keeps it rooted in being horror mm-hmm. not only that but like it's one of the elements of it i don't think i included it but some people were like i don't really think this is horror it's marketed as a romance it has horror elements to it definitely like it's not one of the scarier movies out there but it does have horror elements and i think that scene is one of them it freaked me out when i first saw it and though oscar is a bright boy too is clueless about ellie until wage the movie i mean i'm sorry who just assumes oh well they're a vampire who just does that you know yeah the way that horror is defined or has tried to been defined this is like a combination of like 10 different definitions of it by film theorists Mm -hmm. it has to evoke fear or disgust and there has to be a threat but it's like a monster that in the world of the movie cannot be explained or isn't accepted by science Mm -hmm. and you know causes fear and disgust so that was pretty gross Mm -hmm. and is supernatural so it is horror. Yeah, definitely. But no, I just, I disagree with like, oh, you know, he couldn't guess that she was a vampire right off. Well, who does? <laughs> Unless you're in that moment. You go into that situation. You come back and you tell me that you're not going to deny it at every step until like you can't anymore. Also, just that's not how the movie's flowing. No. The movie's flowing. You, he's he's going to learn what she is when it's right to, you know? Yeah. But the last quote I have from her is... Quote, let the right one in does have some strikingly surreal scenes, though few and far between. Ultimately, whether or not this film is your cup of bodily fluid will depend on your preference for vampire movies as a dish best served cold. A coming of ageless in vampire years, prepubescent love story of sorts, which like the country, climate, and connected local mood in question favors lethargic, introspective vampires and couch potato undead in deep freeze. End quote. That was just so many words thrown together. Mm-hmm. That was a mess. What point were they trying to make? They were just using clever wordplay that entire time. Cup of bodily fluid. That meant nothing. Dish best served cold. Coming of ageless. What was their point? There was none. I don't think there was either. I'm trying to figure out what they were trying to say. Yeah, they're basically just saying they didn't like it, but there were some pretty scenes or surreal scenes. I think this person hardly watched the movie. Again, one of two negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. That was a bad one. That wasn't, nothing about that was valid. Nope. Slim pickings from the negative ones. Yeah. But the next one is from Fangoria by Michael Gingold in April of 2008. They start with, quote, The logline on Let the Right One In makes it sound like a lighthearted YA horror piece, but this Swedish production is so much more than that. It's thoroughly adult in tone and texture, and while it's consistently attuned to the youthful state of mind, the film refuses to sentimentalize those concerns. It's a remarkably moving and genuinely frightening evocation of childhood terrors, fantasies, and frailties, and it immediately takes its place among the classics of the vampire genre, end quote. I agree. Yeah. Not to bring up Twilight again, but like... I wouldn't be surprised if people mistook it for like a, a YA movie. I can see that too. It's it's so dark in tone though. It's so... It's very somber. Mm-hmm. Melancholy even. Mm-hmm. That's something I, I did like about it. I liked the melancholy feel of it. Yeah. It's so cold. Yeah. But Gingold also notes that the filmmakers weren't trying to reinvent slash subvert vampire conventions. The conventions are respected, but tweaked at times in interesting ways. They also mention how this is probably the first vampire film to demonstrate what happens when a vampire enters a home without an invitation. I wanted to talk a little bit about that because that was a crazy scene. I looked it up. It's like the closest I ever saw to like what would happen if a vampire came into a home. It's like, oh, its powers might be weakened or lost. But that's about it. That's the most it ever says <laughs> but next they say quote some might say oscar is a budding sociopath or psychopath but through <laughs> us <laughs> but through the sensitive filmmaking and the fully felt performance by hedebrand a portrait emerges of a troubled young boy simply struggling to survive in an oppressive world end quote and that's what i was saying earlier is he's a 12 year old bully bu- being bullied he's naive he doesn't know what murder really is he's just angry yeah as so when he actually does get to see someone get killed reality hits him you know i agree with that statement his reaction is telling of whether Mm -hmm. or not he is a little sociopath exactly and at the end of the day you could argue that he isn't Mm -hmm. kind of (laughs) i don't know just basing on his reactions to different scenes and how Mm -hmm. he feels about it you could you could argue that you know he's he was just a child he's just a child he's naive he's 
angry. Yeah. They say that the subplots feel like distractions since the central story is so powerful that you can't wait for the story to return to them. Ellie and Oscar's parts of the movie, like, oh, okay, yeah, I understand that. I mean, they're the main characters, so that's mm-hmm. that's a good thing that you just want it to you want it to come back i liked the the side the subplots it was it was interesting they also say that alfredson uses a naturalistic approach in developing their relationship and parallel dramas with long takes and static shots combined with beautiful cinematography and a perfect score the elements establish a captivating mood and his calm staging of the violent bits lets them speak for themselves rather than exaggerating them with visual gimmicks because like this movie is very calm until it isn't Mm -hmm. and when it isn't it's very jarring but i think in a good way not in a bad way yeah and it doesn't go over the top very much so the last quote from gingold quote like pan's labyrinth let the right one in is the best kind of genre blender a movie that honors and delivers on the expectations of fright filmmaking while expanding its boundaries to explore a full spectrum of emotions and although he works here on a less fantastical canvas than del toro in his own masterpiece alfredson nonetheless delivers sights we've never seen before the condition of one recovered body is a brilliant touch and maintains a mature perspective while staying true to the youth of his central characters even though undead Ellie points out that she's 12 more or less and Oscar has been made to grow up too fast. It's a key to let the right one in success that it never forgets they're still kids. End quote. Mm, I don't know about that last part because I I think this is probably where we because I don't see Ellie as a uh, I mean sure she's a child looks like a child only in looks yeah i don't think they particularly act like a child yeah i do agree that oscar i don't think that i necessarily saw him as mature but i definitely could see how in his mind he thinks he's a lot more adult and he's had to grow up kind of fast over the course of this movie with like grasping what's going on Mm -hmm. i do like that the movie reminds us that at least with oscar he's still a little kid yeah exactly and that's why you can kind of forgive him. Like, yeah, he, he has little murderous tones at the beginning. But like, again, he's a child. I don't think he really understands the actual consequences or what that would actually look like. And so when he does, it's it hits him. The reality hits him. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I don't think Ellie particularly acts childlike. I don't think it's good to defend Ellie like that. No. Or to categorize Ellie as this child. Because they're not. They're over 100 years old. Yeah. But the next review I have is from Film Comment by Laura Kern from 2008, starting with, quote, Vampire lore, which has held its ground within pop culture since the creatures of the night's fangs were first bared even pre-Bram Stoker and has been enjoying a distinct upswing of late, rarely comes across as inspired and alive as it does in Thomas Alfredson's exquisitely crafted Let the Right One In, end quote. Which, yeah, this, this was written in 2008, so you're comparing it to Twilight, is what it's, this person's doing. <laughs> and, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula. But they're saying it's good, right? Yeah, they're saying, like, compare, like, you'd think, Compared like... to Twilight that just came yeah. out. <laughs> like, this movie is very, like, artsy-inspired and deep. Which is, tr- I think it's true. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. They also say that the movie is predominantly moody, sometimes a, some, and sometimes a gruesome horror tale. It factors in standard vampire mythology, such as scorching light, sleeping in coffins, substituted for a bathtub in this movie, inhuman odor, and the need for an invitation before entering a home. Then they say that even without these elements, it could still be a horror based on the violence routinely inflicted upon Oscar by his classmates. Or the stuff Ellie does. If this wasn't about vampires and it was just, it could still be horrific if it was just about how awful his classmates are to him. Yeah, that's fair. There's one little part where it says inhuman odor. So I was looking, I think it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. I was looking up the questions and one of the questions was like, why does Ellie smell funny? And it said, well, when Oscar goes, you smell funny. It's before Ellie feeds. Yeah. So they said it's like, oh, it's probably because Ellie smells like a rotting corpse. Their body's dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after they eat is when they smell better. So they smell like a person. Because they come up and they're like, don't I smell better? Exactly. Yeah. And then another theory is like, well, after Ellie eats, they're all messy, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to bathe. So because what their point was, Ellie doesn't socialize with people. So why would Ellie bathe or have regular hygiene? Mm-hmm. So when they do eat, they have to bathe. And then after that, they smell better. They have better hygiene. So that's, yeah. Meanwhile, Bella's the stinky one when Edward's hungry. Exactly. <laughs> Guess I'm just going to bear it. And he's just a dick and she's stinky. He's, he's so awful. He's he just so hasn't rude. eaten. 
But they say, quote, sadly, let the right one in will probably be best known to American audiences as another casualty of Hollywood's rampant impulse to remake. And this was before the remake. Yeah. I.e., in most cases, vandalize every halfway decent horror import in sight. Why they'd want the film is no wonder. It's haunting, romantic, and much deeper in its exploration of gender and child psychology than it initially appears. The mystery is why it's not obvious to all that there's simply no room for improvement with this one. End quote. And they're very right on that. And I think... Wasn't it the remake made like two years later? Yeah, it was made in 2011. Mm-hmm. It was just an era of America being like, that's cool. I want one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't wrong. The next one is the other negative review I found Okay, from Entertainment Weekly by Owen Gleiberman in 2008, who gave the movie a C and says, quote, According to the new school of cinematic dread, it kicked in over the last decade with J-horror films, a fright flick is eerier if it doesn't make sense. If random arty blood thrills are your cup of fear, perhaps you'll enjoy Let the Right One In, a Swedish head scratcher that has a few creepy images but very little holding them together. A serial killer who bleeds his victims in public places? Why? Who knows? Has a 12-year-old daughter who's a vampire? Who befriends the blonde boy next door? Who sulks through the movie in a blank-faced torpor that will have you screaming for something coherent to happen end quote this is another like the first negative one where they just go for funny did you not think did you not think during this movie did you not go "Hmm, maybe maybe there's more to this than what i'm just seeing you know like that is something that i meant to ask you because mm -hmm. of how so many people seemed confused like before you went and looked stuff up would you have come out of this movie with that notion because it seems like you didn't think that hawkin was ellie's father no because here's the thing i looked at the questions after i watched the movie because i was Mm -hmm. genuinely curious about this movie but if i had not i think the most thing i would have been irritated was just how ambiguous this movie is just because like there's i have so many questions about this movie but there's interpretation to this movie and i liked this movie even before looking up those interpretations Mm -hmm. if you're someone who watches movies and you need every little piece of information given to you and shown to you this is probably not a movie for you. This movie yeah. is probably is probably going to confuse, or not even confuse, but I mean, you're going to take everything pretty literally in this movie, so yeah, I don't know. And I mean, I, I don't know why Hawkins thought, yeah, let's let's drain this man in a, a tree on a trail. Yeah, it's a, that's a fair critique. Yeah, it, it seems like Hawkins not exactly the smartest. No. This is a movie that you have to kind of look things up Mm -hmm. look into the book a little think outside the box a little like hey maybe maybe there's more to this than what i'm just seeing you know yeah yeah well yeah to give him the benefit of doubt too is like this movie is pretty ambiguous you know knowing there's a novel out there though with all the answers yeah literally all the answers and honestly this movie is i forgot who said it but they wanted it's the director yeah you want more ambiguous stuff about it which i think is fine i can see how that's irritating but it's a, it's to allow the viewer to connect their own dots. Yeah. And if you can't do that, this is probably one of the, not one of those movies for you. I agree. And I understand why someone might not like a movie that is like so up for interpretation. Yeah, because it can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. But the last review I have was just, it's very short. It was on a, a list of the 50 best LGBTQ plus horror films of all time from them. And this particular part was written by Kyle Turner in October of 2022. They described the movie this way, saying, quote, with uncompromising beauty and tenderness, director Thomas Alfredson lets his characters find resilience and strength in one another as they navigate a cruel and unwelcoming world, end quote. Yeah. Like I was saying, it's considered like a LGBTQ plus movie. Yeah, I understand. And I guess in that tone, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. And if we're, if we're analyzing it in that perspective, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the last one I have. So are you ready to move on to the audience reviews? Mm-hmm. I did want to note before we go into the audience reviews, it seems like most people took the I'm not a girl commentary about Ellie as being about Ellie's humanity. That's what I thought it was too at first, to be honest. Yeah. But then it literally cuts to... Yeah. By the way, that is done with a mannequin that is not on an actual human body. I didn't think it was. Yeah. Some people in the audience reviews thought so. Yeah. I'm, and that's fair. 
Yeah. But most people didn't notice those scars as being mutilation scars. Yeah. Again, I can understand. And that's that's a little bit where the ambiguity of the book and taking stuff out kind of does a disservice for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the revelation in the book, the book starts switching from using she pronouns to he pronouns for Ellie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go too far into this because I don't want to speak on something that I don't personally understand. Mm-hmm. So if anyone has more insight from a trans perspective about this film, please reach out to us on our Instagram about that because I'd love to hear your perspective about it. But I don't want to speak over anybody. The other recurring thing that I saw was that some people watched the English dub of the film mm-hmm. instead of the original Swedish. And that's the only reason they didn't like it. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why you told me to watch the um, Swedish version. I mean, with foreign films, it's always a, like unless it's an anime Mm -hmm. because sometimes there are good dubs but with live action it's like with squid game most people who didn't like squid game watched the dub version of it but the original korean version is so much better and it's the same case here if you ever watch an international movie don't watch the english dub of it unless it's a cartoon yeah but moving on into the reviews the first review i have is a 10 out of 10 from october of 2020 titled beautiful from imdb while we don't always know how to give it or receive it or with whom to share it love in all of its forms is a beautiful thing i feel like you can find this this review on any movie mm-hmm. i love it it's so non-specific mm-hmm. i'm not saying they're wrong you can have that perspective about this movie that's a correct statement it is but I didn't feel that way about this movie. Yeah. I did not end on that. And there are some people who are on the same page as you about that. We'll, we'll get mm. to those. But yes, you are not alone in thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> the next one is also a 10 out of 10. It's a little bit longer. It's titled A Beautiful and Chilling Experience from December of 2008. I managed to catch this movie in Vancouver whilst it was on limited release the other month and rarely has a day gone by that I've not found myself thinking back to it. As a fan of horror movies and vampire movies, I eagerly awaited this movie, especially after the glowing write-ups it received almost unilaterally. I was not disappointed. Let the Right One In is by turns beautiful, horrifying, funny, tender, brutal, sad, and hopeful. The performances of all the young actors were of the highest quality, especially our two leads. The chemistry between these two preteens outstripped many a Hollywood pairing. The camera work was excellent. The only qualm I could think of was that once or twice the music was a little intrusive on the quiet beauty of the scenes, but this is a very minor complaint. After TDK, let the right one in. What is TDK? Is that The Dark Knight? Because The Dark Knight came out in 2008 as well. Yes, I think it is too. Which is also a great movie. Mm Mm-hmm. After TDK, Let the Right One In was the best movie I saw this year, and I cannot wait until the DVD release so I can watch it again. This was a serious contender for the best vampire movie I've ever seen, but to merely label it as a vampire movie is to overlook a beautiful and original piece of cinema that will stay with you for a long time. I agree. It is a beautiful movie. Uh, I think, was their only complaint that the music was a little distracting? Once or twice it was intrusive on quiet beauty of a scene. Hmm. I wouldn't even, I didn't even notice that. Same. I don't necessarily agree with that. I know they weren't making that a huge complaint, but mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that. But other than that, they seem like they, I mean, it is a, a home run, like a beautiful movie and it is visually a beautiful movie. Do you think the child acting is good in this movie? I don't think it's bad. I actually think, I think of, of a lot of child acting movies. This is one of the better ones, honestly. Mm-hmm. I actually do think the kids did really well in this movie it took them i believe about a year to do the casting for the leads so they did their best to find the best kids for it i guess i don't think they did i think everyone did great i I do not think the acting in this movie i don't think anyone does bad in, in this movie at all yeah but the first negative review i have is from imdb a one out of ten titled the fact that this movie was rated 8.1 is an embarrassment to movie lovers from december of 2010 i really have no idea why i was compelled to sit down and watch this movie i have never been so disappointed in a movie in all my life the fact that this movie was rated 8.1 is an embarrassment to movie lovers and please this movie cannot be compared to twilight i'm sure all those who watch both will agree twilight captured everything the only thing thing that let the right one did not fail to capture was the storyline overrated is an underrated word for let the right one in whereas whereas i I... was drawn whereas hold on whereas i was drawn to everything in twilight the only scene i like was when the boy hit back the bullies and the only shocking scene was the girl's genitals question mark period I was not expecting this to go where it did. Uh, This to be a Twilight lover? I did not (laughs) expect that. I was like, oh, this is pretentious, whatever. And then they mentioned Twilight. I was like, oh, God. Look at the Tumblr typing on everything. It is. I love 
that okay i honestly i'm okay with them hating this movie just because they love twilight i'm honestly actually pretty fine with that <laughs> this is the first person to say that twilight did vampires better <laughs> to let the right ones in oh my god that's hilarious that's a this is honestly a really funny one you yeah. know what i have no critiques about this no, they're correct and they're right about the ending like you know there's a shocking scene and yeah i understand how that would be um pretty disturbing yeah pretty shocking and disturbing to see especially if you don't know that it's mutilation scars and like yes yeah yes but i love that they're a twilight fan that's hilarious you know what this is a 10 star review i love it yeah this is <laughs> this is up there i love this one <laughs> this is a good one the next one is a one out of 10 from imdb titled horrible from february of 2012 this film pretends to be a joyful tense and cute little story about a bullied apparently because the only hints you get consist of the boy learning morse code and actually being the first one to realize there is a vampire on the loose genius boy and a vampire girl who has been 12 for a long time in many senses, this is Twilight all over again, but Swedish and without the sparkling. The story is predictable, the boy is just annoying throughout the film, the gore and violence are non-existent, and there is absolutely nothing that actually keeps you on the edge of your sit. <laughs> Unlike, sit. The <laughs> Unlike the Millennium Trilogy films, I wasn't just bored out of my mind, but also amazed because of the comments I had heard about the movie. Beautiful, marvelous, awesome, I'd just say useless. So this is what I thought that first review was going to be. But mm -hmm. first off, they need to write their sentences better because they lost me yeah. for a second. Yeah, it was hard to read. Yeah. What is Millennium Trilogy? I don't, I don't even know. Oh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Trilogy. Oh, okay. Okay, that one, that is, that is a suspenseful series. So mm -hmm. I, they're not wrong, but. Really, honestly, at the end of the day, this just sounds like this movie wasn't for you. Yeah. You did, you, you were expecting things that just aren't in this movie. And that's okay. They don't have to be, but this just isn't your movie. It sounds like they were expecting it to be more of a violent thriller. Mm -hmm. This next one is from 2017. Five and a half, uh, four and a half, five and a half, four and a half stars on Letterboxd. He sure did let the right one in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did he? I would say no. I would say no. I think at the end of the day, again, you can't you can't trust vampires. They're just yeah. gonna use you. They're all groomers. They're all groomers. They're just gonna use you for their survival. What can you do for me? And they're just gonna trick you. Yep. This one is a two-star review from August of 2022 on Letterboxd. Watched this film in film studies class, and I generally dislike this movie a lot. I can kind of see what people like so much, but at the same time, the thing giving this film two stars is the cinematography and world around them look good. The characters and romance to me is so strange, and the characters are very uninteresting. The horror is more just disturbing scenes and don't scare and just make me feel very uncomfortable. That's horror. <laughs> That's the <laughs> definition of horror, but okay. <laughs> I generally dislike this film a lot, even when people love it. Well, good on you for sticking to your guns on it. I guess so. First off, it is a horror movie, and the fact that you said they made me feel uncomfortable defines it as a horror movie. Yeah, so congratulations, you figured out the definition. Fear and or disgust. Mm -hmm. Disgust is also so there you go. related to being uncomfortable. So. Mm -hmm absolutely okay so there's some so they, they said the characters and romance to me is so strange and i actually do agree with that it is strange and and i you know i think uncomfortable yeah but i don't think the characters aren't i think the characters are very interesting yeah it seems like they liked the technical aspects of it though yeah I mean, that's fair i mean this this is a very pretty film to say it isn't is a lie i think Mm -hmm. Two stars, 2021 letterboxed. Is this that Twilight that all the kids are talking about? <laughs> I just love it. I love... I'm so glad you told me like they came out the same year because I've been like, gosh, they're referencing Twilight a lot. These movies are not that similar. But I guess because they came out the same year, I totally understand. <laughs> and it's a vampire vampires. Movie, so, yeah. yeah. Vampires that groom children. Pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot in common. Got a lot in common. Like that it's other review said, they just don't sparkle. They just don't sparkle. <laughs> okay. Half Star from 2020 on Letterboxd. Gotta give some credit to the dour Swedish temperament that created this. I haven't been this bored by a movie in a while. Just a total chore to get through. The kind of aimless pseudo-genre exercise that mistakes the stasis of storytelling for thematic depth. A waste of time. Big words. <laughs> wow. I can see how you think this movie's slow. It's on the slower side. I'm not gonna say it isn't. No, yeah, But it's... I think there's enough going on where 
I'm invested. I want to yeah. know what's going to go on next. It is very slow, though. It is slow. I understand that. And I don't blame anyone for thinking it is. Aimless pseudo-genre exercise that makes this... So, I th- so they're saying that this movie kind of doesn't know what genre it is, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. faking its own genre is what I don't it seems like. That. I don't fully understand what mistakes the stasis of storytelling for thematic depth means. That's why I, I think they're just kind of trying to use big words what is, what to not sta- explain what they want. <laughs> what does stasis mean in regards to storytelling? Because I know like it means like the, the state of something because like homeostasis mm-hmm. is like your normal state that you're in. Mm-hmm. But that sentence doesn't make sense in that. It doesn't. And I don't know what they mean by it. Like, what do you mean by that? What's the stasis of storytelling? I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have never used a word I didn't know. <laughs> but this stuff, like, I've definitely said something like that. And, like, on a rarity, someone will be like, what? Huh? <laughs> what do you mean? That's, I don't think you know what that word, like, <laughs> that's, this is one of those situations. Because this, mm-hmm. the state of the storytelling is being mistaken for, the th- like, a thematic depth. They mistake the, the way the story is being told for a deeper message. What I think they're trying to say, like it's, it's just said, it's so much simpler. It's like this movie isn't as deep as yeah. they want us to think it is. This is basically yeah, what fake I deep. think they're trying to. Say. It's fake yeah. deep. That's basically yeah. what they wanted to say. Mm-hmm. This is dumb. It is. Like we had to break that sentence. We had down. to break it down to know what they were freaking talking about. I'm not trying to analyze. Okay. No, I'm trying to know what you're trying to say. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, but the next one, three stars, 2022, letterboxed. Can I come in? Question mark quoted at the beginning. Let the right one in. Refers to the vampire folklore concept that a vampire should be invited first to enter. Initially refusing Ellie's request, Oscar eventually lets her in. Something that could be a commentary on immigration and the hospitality that comes with it. Mm. A bloodsucker of a vampire flick and its depiction of the traumas of bullying, struggles of one's coming of age, and passion of young love. Let the right one in sets for a biting fantasy tale by the time it gets dark but sadly it wasn't the right one for me hmm. well it didn't seem like they were they disliked it they yeah it seems like they they understood what could be what's good about uh-huh. it but they just didn't enjoy it that's fair it's totally mm-hmm. fair such a mature review yeah it's soup like thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> and i love the analyzation of it too because mm-hmm. i didn't think that but yeah. now i totally see it totally understand yeah i see where they're coming from with that Mm -hmm. and i i think you could pretty easily expand on it being a commentary on immigration and hospitality yeah absolutely three and a half stars from 2021 on letterboxd why the actual fuck do so many reviewers on this site think this is a goddamn love story this isn't love it's stockholm syndrome Ooh, okay all right the movie sets up a direct parallel between the old lover and the Mm -hmm. new lover there's a scene earlier in the movie where he's clearly depicted as if he's in an abusive relationship, begging her forgiveness when he's clearly being used by her. When mm-hmm. this old lover has nothing left to offer her anymore, she literally sucks his blood dry and leaves him to die, immediately before moving on to her next, younger lover. These two aren't in love. This kid is a victim. This girl preys upon vulnerable, weak, bullied boys who will in turn spend their entire lives simping for her until they're no longer of any use to her. And the movie literally takes place in stockholm they couldn't have made it more fucking clear how fucking badly do you have to read a movie to think this is a goddamn fucking love story thank you this is i literally like i literally said this like Mm -hmm. after seeing the movie like i know like this is what i thought this Mm -hmm. is what this is literally what i thought so no notes i've already i've already (laughs) (laughs) this is exactly what i thought this is how i interpreted the movie so absolutely yes because the movie version is so open for interpretation especially Mm -hmm. the relationships i think this is a very like you made this point too so i'm saying this to you as well i think that's Mm -hmm. a very good interpretation to come Mm -hmm. out of this movie with yeah thank you (laughs) you're welcome did you You, think that too or did you or were you more i read it as like yeah this dude's being used Mm -hmm. i i wouldn't say that i would have been able to right off the bat say it in this exact way if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah after you said it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I got the vibes, mm-hmm. but I couldn't articulate it that way. Yeah. This is a two-star review from Amazon. <laughs> oh, Jesus. From 2017, and it's titled, Interesting Present Premise, Poor Execution. The premise of the movie was interesting, set in Sweden, middle of winter, very utilitarian buildings, how a girl, the vampire, survives. The execution felt very wooden to me, though. There was very little emotion in the dialogue, watched it with English sub, 
Even the moments that Oscar, the main character in this film, was supposed to be happiest felt very forced. The pacing is extremely slow, which is common in foreign films, but you can predict the movie in almost its entirety within the first one-fourth of it. The characters felt bland. You don't get any kind of attachment to any of them, with the, a bit of exception to Ellie. There's really no explanation as to why Ellie does things, and you need to know a bit about vampires' mythology to understand them. Overall, an interesting premise, but poor execution for this movie. Slow pacing, predictable story and bland characters pull it down i just didn't see it that way Mm -hmm. i just honestly i do not agree just on i mean you can say that all happened that's fine that's your opinion okay Mm -hmm. i just don't agree i just i just blatantly do not think that's the case with this movie but okay yeah earlier i even said like i enjoy the calmness Mm -hmm. of the movie and i don't see that as characters with very little emotion emotion i see this as like characters with realistic amounts of emotion yes yes they don't have to be like have a vein popping out of their head to (laughs) to be convincing yeah it's like those i've sent you these like i'll see compilations on tiktok of like the best acting scenes and it's just people yelling angry is so easy to play subtle anger is so much more impressive to me than just fucking yelling or when uh what's it called the marriage story think about it what's what's another scene from that film you've ever seen anywhere else besides that yelling scene and also why that movie was so hyped because of the yelling scene yeah those compilations always remind me of dennis from always sunny Give him little, an Oscar. I am he a does that. golden god. <laughs> this car is a finisher car. <laughs> Give him. Where's his Oscar? Yeah. Where's Glenn Howerton's Oscar? He is a great actor, though. I do like him. He's weirdly good at playing Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> he's been playing it for decade, a de- over mm-hmm. a decade now. I mean, he's got the character nailed down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But back to this, they didn't like the littleness of emotion. But Mm -hmm. to both of us, it seems it was just like a realistic display of emotion. Mm -hmm. I just don't agree with this person. Just blatantly like, okay, you can have that opinion. That's okay. I just don't agree. I literally (laughs) like I don't know how to say it other than like, I just don't think that at all. (laughs) Yeah, like completely opposite. I can't imagine picking up this feeling from this movie. Mm hmm. I'm proud of you, though, for watching the the original (laughs) audio. (laughs) Yeah, at least they did that. Mm -hmm. I love how neutral they came into this and then how hard they went crazy. (laughs) But if you like movies, you're going to want to kill yourself. And drink your own blood. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) We calm down. You started at a a zero and you went to 100 real quick. Pedantic? Meandering? What are these words? (laughs) I don't know exactly what pedantic means, but from the context I've picked up in my life with the word pedantic is like, you just, you're just like, oh, ugh, really? Like after something pedantic happens. It lingers. <laughs> Wait, let me look up what it actually means. Yeah. I just can't get past how crazy this person went. Like they started off so like, this is a very di- different take on the vampire genre. And if you are looking for that, this is probably the movie for you. If not, you're gonna, and then just goes off. <laughs> I think they, I think they used pedantic wrong. <laughs> what does it mean? A person who is excessively concerned with minor details or rules or with displaying academic learning. So it was too, the acting is pedantic. So to them, they think that they put too much detail, like they they thought too hard about the acting or like they were too like concerned with the minor details of the acting. That's what, isn't that what is considered good acting is like those minor details of acting? Yeah, I don't know if they thought that one through. That's a compliment, bitch. I think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start doing that more, looking up these words to make sure these people are using it right. Because a lot of people want to sound smart when they're writing these, and it's really funny when you figure out. Yeah. I don't know if that you use that word correctly. And like I said earlier, I've definitely done that. <laughs> Three and a half stars, 2019. Had no idea what to expect with this one, but I'm happy to report that I really liked it. It was a touching story with lots of beautiful moments despite its horror, in quotes, setup. I definitely think I would have liked it more was I not forced to pause it multiple times and come back to it hours later, but I can see the rating being raised on a rewatch. I'm back from being a little MIA over the last few days, needed a break, but I'm ready to commence spooky season movie watching, and this was definitely a nice start to it. So they had to to pause it and come back to it multiple times. I can see you could lose... I feel like you could lose focus really easily with this movie because it's, mm-hmm. it's slower paced. You're going to be like, what are we doing again? 
what's what's the what scene happened? you know yeah. what happened it's okay yeah this is this movie you definitely need to sit down and kind of I mean, you know pay attention to and yeah not in that you'll get lost but it's it's so slow you want to you you want yeah. it to flow it's gonna be really hard to come back after being interrupted so many times you're gonna you're gonna be left out of it you know exactly yeah you have to it's like you gotta merge it, yeah ex- exactly that's the that's the best word for it you mm-hmm. have to stay emerged in the mm-hmm but the last review I have is four and a half stars from 2020 on Letterboxd. Normally having kids as the main character in a horror movie is the kiss of death. That is probably why I avoided this movie so long. This movie was awesome. It was a slow burn at times, but it fit. There are some cool, brutal, good scenes, good enough for any horror fan. The story is what grabs you and doesn't let go. The ending was awesome, though I had seen the ending in a podcast and was the reason why I watched the movie, though I didn't know when I saw the clip it was the ending. You'll have to read subtitles but check it out it is awesome yeah that's a good one and i agree having main characters kids as main characters in movies a kiss of death like like i said like i see there have been horror films that have been absolutely ruined just because the children actors are just ridiculous in their (laughs) acting and yeah i totally agree with that but in this movie they're perfect they're really they're actually really talented you could i mean like i said they took a whole year just to cast Mm -hmm. the leads and i think it paid off for them i think so too they went with the best kids they could find yeah so how about you what do you rate this movie Mm. this is so boring because i feel like i've been doing this for all the movies we've said another seven seven out of ten it's good this isn't my favorite movie of all time or even close to being one of my favorites but it's good it's a good movie it's good for what it is and Mm -hmm. and and go ahead and see it you might it might be your favorite yeah it's not mine but it's great it's great it's good i think i'm gonna give it like an eight yeah i agree that it's not it's definitely not one of my favorite movies but i understand why it's like heralded as one of the best horror movies because it has a lot of really good things going for it Mm -hmm. i think you could say even the negative reviews could acknowledge that there were some really amazing things in this movie specifically the camera work and the cinematography and the score not as many with the plot itself but i think that it checks all the boxes and it does it really well i agree eight out of ten eight out of ten yeah it's no core line it's no core line the height the height of cinema the height of horror <laughs> but yeah so do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up nope okay so if you want to suggest any movies to us or you want to give us any feedback or comments or anything give us your perspective on this movie anything you can dm us on instagram at easy big takes we also have a tiktok at easy big takes we have a website with our transcripts and all of our episodes on it that is easy big takes we also have a letterboxd account where we write overviews of all of our episodes you can find us at easy big takes on there as well and don't forget to rate review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts if you enjoyed us and thank you so much for listening my name is kat and i'm riley oh wait i have another line (laughs) this has been easy big takes easy watching out there bye (laughs) bye